What's up everybody? This is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are still in chapter 22 today and should be finishing it up. From what we can read and understand, we're still in the same day that we've been for the past several weeks, which is what we believe to be Monday. So there's still about five days left of Jesus' earthly life. And uh, so let's begin to read today and let's see what God's Word holds for us. Um, We're in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, and we're reading about the most important commandment as the Pharisees come to question Jesus one more time. So let's begin to read together verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Okay, so here again we see that Jesus is constantly being attacked. I mean, after he has silenced the Pharisees, they go away. Then he silences the Sadducees and they go away. Now the Pharisees have met together and they come and they're trying to trap him again. So they ask this question uh, about which is the most important commandment. Now now this is somewhat devious um, because the Pharisees leading up to this point had already identified what they believed to be about 613 commandments from the laws of Moses and they've divided them up between the greater ones and the lesser ones. So they had already kind of assigned some to be greater than others, some to have more value or more weight than others, uh, ones that were more important for people to fulfill than others. And so even though um, it was no secret that they were trying to ensnare Jesus in the moment, um, but they're asking him all of these commandments, <coughs> of the 613, which do you think is the most important? Now, I'm sure that whenever you read this, you were thinking, oh man, which of the Ten Commandments are the most important? No, 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 no. The Pharisees are much more in-depth than this. They are taking God's law. They're picking it apart. They're evaluating it. They've been doing this for generations, and so there's at least 613 laws, and they're asking Jesus, of these 613 laws, which do you think is the most important and so this gives the religious leaders ample opportunity to debate with jesus and ask him questions as to why he chose one over the others um, because there's a lot of others left over if you just pick one so this seems like a foolproof plan but jesus very rarely plays according to the rules of humans and so the answer that christ gives is ingenious. I mean, when you think about this, the Pharisees are coming in there and saying, okay, out of 613, you pick one that you think is the most important. But Jesus' answer does not consist of one of those laws. Rather, it consists of the very heart of the law, the whole law, and why it was given to people in the first place. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself gives every explanation that you need in order to explain why all 613 laws are important and should be fulfilled. In this moment, by not choosing a law and rather responding with the heart of the law, Jesus answers perfectly 
as he always does. And so verse 40, you know, the, the last verse of this passage that we just read, really sums it up beautifully. It, Jesus said the law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if you look at the 613 laws that were identified by the Pharisees, then you look at all the laws and the requirements that were given by the prophets, you know, those messages that they gave that God gave them to give to the people of Israel. You can basically put them in a funnel and some somehow, some way funnel them back to the Ten Commandments. So so they can all come back to being associated with one of those Ten Commandments in somehow, some way. And then you can take those Ten Commandments and then you can funnel them down into the answer that Jesus just gave, to love God and to love your neighbor. And if you take the Ten Commandments, and if you think about this, the first four commandments deal directly with God. And then the last six commandments deal directly with how we should respond and react with our neighbors. And so the first four and the last six deal directly with the answer that Jesus just gave the Pharisees. And, and so just to finish up this passage, I just want to give you a quote. And I'm not sure what theologian said this, but I read this. I thought it was great. It says, a theologian once said that if indeed the life of God is real in our lives, that it will be shown by the presence of love for God and for others. Now, I want to read that again because that's super important. If indeed the life of God is real in our lives, it will be shown by the presence of love for God and love for others. And so, guys, today, if God is real to you, if he's real in your life, there should be a presence of the love for God in your life, and there should be a presence of the love for other people in your life. You cannot obey the law if you don't love people and you don't love God. It's impossible. And so Jesus says the most important commandments is to love God with everything that you are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord with everything that you are, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can do those two things, you can obey the entire law from all the 613 commandments given by Moses and then all the requirements of the prophets as well. You can do all that. And that's not an easy thing to do because we're not perfect, but that's where it starts. Love for God and then love for our neighbors. All right? So let's read Matthew 22, verses 41 through 46, and let's finish up this chapter as we've been on it for several weeks now. Let's read this together and finish up. It says, then, this, then surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, he is the son of David. Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, then... The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him, and after that no one dared to ask him any more questions. Okay, so finally we see all these pesky people asking Jesus questions, and Jesus finally takes a turn. And he asks a question. And while the Pharisees were still there, before they could have another opportunity to conspire, Jesus takes the time to ask them the most important question they will ever have to answer in their life. It is the most important question that 
any human being will ever have to answer in their life, and he asked them about the Messiah. What do you think about him? Whose son is he? This is of the utmost importance because Jesus is basically giving them the opportunity to surrender and humble themselves to acknowledge him as the Messiah, the Lord. Or he continues to allow them to be stubborn and to reject him. He's giving them the opportunity to either accept or reject him. And if you remember back in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus asked the disciples, he asked them this same question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? And Jesus is not being unfair by asking the religious leaders this question. Uh, rather, he is being very fair because this is the question that he expects every person to answer for themselves. And he also expects us to live fully according to the answer that we give. And the disciples had been doing this since Matthew 16 when Peter declared, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus talked about how blessed he was because he realized that. The Pharisees in this moment were at best undecided, and most of them had already completely rejected Jesus as being the Messiah. And so when they answer the question, their answer is textbook. I mean, it is the proper, appropriate, by-the-book answer that you are supposed to give. It was politically correct. It would not cause offense in any way. And it really doesn't declare anything. They just say he's the son of David, which many people had already referred to Jesus as the son of David, uh, especially a lot of Canaanite people, a lot of um, a lot of. Gentiles had already referred to Jesus as the son of David, and a lot of the Israelites had not. But they say, okay, he's the son of David. But remember, Jesus doesn't play by man's rules. He doesn't play by the book, okay? He plays by God's rules. He is God. And so the correct answer isn't necessarily the textbook answer that these religious leaders are giving. Actually, for God... Usually the answer never is the textbook answer because our textbooks don't do justice to God in any way. I mean, when you think about it, we just don't understand God enough to give him all the credit and honor and glory that he deserves. So Jesus responds to their answer with another question. And he says, well, why did David refer to the Messiah as my Lord instead of his son? Which, you know, and then he says, you know, David said, and he goes on to say what he said, which is a reference to Psalm chapter 110, verses, verse 1. Um, this is a direct reference to that. And so the question absolutely stumps the Pharisees, and it should have. And in this moment, Jesus is showing that his understanding of Scripture is far superior than the religious leaders of the day. Um, this was a very big deal, and it was a hard pill for them to swallow. They never acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, but they didn't dare ask him any more questions after this because they knew that he was above them. They knew that he was smarter than them. He understood Scripture better than them. They knew that they could not conquer him according to the Word of God because he knew it better than they did. And there was nothing else that the religious leaders could do because Jesus had revealed their weaknesses. 
He had exposed their lack of understanding. And so the only thing left for these religious leaders to do was to get together and plot how they are going to falsely accuse him and then kill him. God's one and only son is going to be plotted against by the very people who should have been lifting him up on a pedestal and proclaiming him before all the people. And that's really sad to think about. And when we pick up in chapter 23 next week, you're going to see how Jesus begins to criticize the religious leaders and the true heart of why they do the things that they do. Because not only does Jesus have a perfect understanding of God and His Word and God's will, but He also has a perfect understanding of humans because He helped create them. And His criticizing of the religious leaders only intensifies the hatred and resentment that they have towards Jesus And it really speeds up this process of them falsely accusing him, arresting him, and then putting him to death in order to get rid of him. And so Jesus is kind of uh, reaching the last few days of his life and he is getting this process going to where he is going to be Uh, put to death and going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. And this is all part of God's plan, and he knew this and understood this. But it is still really sad to think about that the religious leaders, the one who should have been proclaiming him, were the ones who were going to do the dirty deed of arresting him without just cause, falsely accusing him, getting him put to death so that they could still be in power and still be the authority of the day. Well, let me pray for you, and I will let you go. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and for everything you bless us with. And God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to see and understand how important it is for us to acknowledge your love and grace and mercy and how good you are to us. And, and Lord, just all the wonderful things about you. Help us to never hold anything back. Help us to never refuse to be humble and to acknowledge you for who you are. Um, but God, help us to, uh, to accept you as the true Messiah, to sacrifice for our sins, and to come to you for anything in our life that we need. Lord, we love you today. We thank you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We just want to say we love you, and we're praying for you. We hope to see you in person on campus. But if not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or catch the podcast later on. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a great week.